Hey, PT listeners, we've been working on something special at Tier 11, something that I can say without exaggeration or without hesitation will produce better ad optimization and increased conversions and have a profound impact on the amount of data you can send back to all your ad platforms. That includes Meta, that includes TikTok, that includes Google, and we call it X-Ray Tag. And it's only available to Tier 11 customers. A lot of businesses think that it's Black Friday, it's the holiday season, and once they actually get through that, then they'll worry about next year. Well, now is the time for you to start gathering all the data that you can to set yourself and your business up for success in 2024. X-ray tag replaces all the potpourri of pixels, cappies, cookies with one single implementation that sends higher quality first party data back to all your ad platforms. In fact, in our early testing, we've seen a 40 to 100% increase in event matching quality aka EMQs in Meta, which translates into better ad optimization and increased conversions. So if you feel like your ads are flying blind, head on over to tier11.com forward slash x-ray to get early access. Clients to sign up before the end of the year, move to the front of the line, and we are only offering this for the PT listener like yourself. So head on over to tier11.com forward slash x-ray don't miss out. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting-edge strategies and acquiring leads and sales to acquire more customers for your business. Welcome back to the show, Qasem Aslam. It seems like we haven't talked in a really, really long time. I missed you. It does. I missed you too. It saddens my heart, Ralph, when I don't get my weekly dose of Ralph Burns. We've had some interesting things happening in the Burns resonance the last week or so. Uh, kids coming home from college, going to internships 3,000 miles from home, some deaths in the family, <laughs> lots of construction projects wrapping up. It's been a busy time for us, and I, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Here it is. We're in June. There's a hell of a lot of stuff going on in our industry, which is a lot of fun, a lot of excitement, which we're going to talk about here on today's show. But I, I sort of see some, aside from any economic and or recession scaring things that people are thinking about, I see the light at the end of the tunnel for me. Like the last couple of weeks have been a little bit challenging. So anyway, it's good to be here with well, you. You're in Boston too. Well, not today. No, no, it's not June in Boston. Well, I'm not in Boston today. Today I'm in Dallas. Oh, yeah. Got but, it. Uh, and people will see this in the YouTube channel. It's not the typical background. But yeah, Boston, June, it's gorgeous temperatures. It's like the best weather of time of the year. It's, it's time to be optimistic and happy and all that. Yeah. It's the opposite in Scottsdale, Arizona. Ralph, this is our winter. This is when we shut all the doors and we just don't go outside. <laughs> How you guys survive in the desert is just beyond me. One of these days, I'm going to come out there and just like hang out for a week and live like a desert rat like you, just to see what it's like to be Casa yeah, Muslim. Your blood will thin mm -hmm. quickly. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I'm glad there's light at the end of the tunnel for you, man. That sounds like a lot. So it's good to have you back sharing your wisdom on perpetual traffic. Well, here we are today sharing some wisdom. We're going to be talking uh, AI. I know you've gone very, very deep into this whole AI thing. And I think a lot of listeners and a lot of people that I've talked to think that AI is ChatGPT, and that's kind of it. When in fact, ChatGPT is cool, 
But I look at it like not even the tip of the iceberg. It's like the tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg. And what's below that, I don't know. And a lot of people, it scares the hell out of them. But for me, I'm an optimistic guy. I'm an optimistic pessimist when it really comes down to it. And I see ChatGPT as a nice little tool, (laughs) nice little toy that we can all play with. But it's AI itself that is going to be transformative in our business. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, how it relates back to traffic and advertising here today. I know you have some strong opinions on it myself as well. Can I give you a quick analogy on the way I'm I'm looking at it? Yeah. Because I think it's relevant to the future conversation. ChatGPT is just the first moving picture show. Before you ever saw a movie, somebody showed you, you know, the very first moving picture show and you're like, oh, that's cool. But it's impossible to wrap your mind around what, you know, you couldn't jump straight to Marvel movies, right? Or if you don't like that analogy, it's the first website you ever saw. Remember when the internet first launched? I do. And, you know, it was 1992. My dad bought me this Macintosh and we went wherever it was, AOL.com. And you're like, oh, that's cool. Instead of the newspaper, I can get it here. But again, you're incapable of wrapping your mind around everything else that was possible. So ChatGPT is just the first of what's going to come of this fleet of innovation that's coming on the heels of AI. Yeah, I totally agree. And I don't know if people realize that quite yet. So hopefully today's show will shed some light on that. So, but before we get into where we are in the state of artificial intelligence right now, as we see it, one of the most I would say the coolest apps I've seen in quite some time is ChatGPT. It is very cool. It's very helpful. I use it almost every single day. And if you haven't gotten it yet, if you've got an iOS device or you have one of those Google devices, definitely get the app. The text, the voice to text feature is outstanding. And I would say it's just a very cool way for you to get work done, catalyze your thoughts put rough drafts together for blog posts, tweets, whatever it happens to be. I mean, geez, custom. I even used it to revise an obituary two weeks ago. And it thought of things I had never, never thought of and presented it back to my mother-in-law who's like 91. And she's like, this is so well-written. I'm like, I didn't tell her it was ChatGPT. But the point was, is that's how effective this nice little tool is. But that is just sort of the tip, the tip, tip, tip of the iceberg. Like you said, motion picture industry, it's uh, the first talkie, you know what I mean? But here we are on the bleeding edge of that. But I do think that if you are a ChatGPT user, definitely get it for your iOS device. Have it right there. I, I use it all the time right now. So definitely check it out. Now, the first iteration, I'm surprised it's so good. So anyway, that's today's nugget. Do you know what's shameful? I'm obsessed with ChatGPT, and I didn't know that an app existed. So thank you for that. Yeah, there's a lot of them. So if you go into the app store, this is where it's confusing, and you put in ChatGPT, you will see a lot. You'll see an ad, and then you'll see another one. So look for the one that has the squiggly line thing that you might recognize from the actual site itself, from OpenAI. So look for that one, because I ended up downloading the wrong app first, and then I eventually got the the right one on the second one. So a little tip there for you. So uh, stick around today. We are going to be getting into our take on AI and where things are going, especially from an advertising perspective with Google Bard now coming out with some pretty powerful stuff, everything that's going on inside Bing. We have a lot to discuss here on today's show. So stick around. We're going to get right into that after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. 
Was your Black Friday Cyber Monday not quite as great as you wanted it to be? Did you feel like you were leaving money on the table? You knew you could have made more sales, but you just didn't know where that money was lying on the table? Well, it's probably because you have some blind spots in your business. We here at Perpetual Traffic want to make 2024 your best year ever. And now is the time to plan for it and set yourself up for 2024. It is not after the first of the year because by the time you actually start doing your planning after January 1st, you've already missed a month. So get that planning done now and do it on us. We are giving away 10 free audits, which goes through all of your ad platforms, all the platforms that you're spending money on right now, or maybe the ones that you're maybe not spending money on, but we feel that there is a great opportunity for you to spend and scale and grow. We'll also look at everything after the click for your CRO, your conversion architecture, as we call it. We'll even analyze your email sequences. And most importantly, we'll look at your data how you're actually capturing visitors' information, and how it's tracking all the way to your CRM or whatever your source of truth is. And we do this through a comprehensive audit where we rate each section of your customer acquisition path, give you a rating, and then give some recommendations as to what you should do in order to have 2024 be the best year ever. Now, we're only going to offer this for 10 lucky businesses in the month of December. Okay, that's it. That's the only capacity that we have. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash audit. Fill out the form and let's make 2024 the best year ever. All right, we are back. We're talking AI here. And one of the most important parts of this is how search is fundamentally going to change. Let's just talk from that perspective, because we do talk a fair amount about traffic here, and search traffic is kind of important traffic. So the way that I look at it is I look at search traffic in three different categories. And I think a lot of people sort of share these same views. Navigational search queries like, all right, I'm trying to find Facebook. I'm trying to find Google. I'm trying to find Bing. I'm trying to find the Oprah website. That's one type of search. Then it's informational search, like how do I do X or what is X? And then I sort of think of like the third type of traffic as transactional. Okay, I want to check out Solutions 8. What does Solutions 8 offer for pricing? So when I think about search, I think about those three things. And when I think about how AI is going and how search is fundamentally going to change, I really look at informational as the big one that's going to change more than anything. But what is your take on just search in general coming from a tried and true, died in the wool Google guy? Where is the behavioral change really going to come that maybe a lot of businesses don't realize this is on the way, but it's already sort of happening. They just don't realize maybe we can talk about timeframes, like it's coming and it's coming fast. So what's your take? Google started this already with their snippets. When you search for something in the past, Google just gave you options. You could even search for what time is it? And Google didn't tell you the time. It gave you, you know, time and temperature, timeindenver.com, the news channel, whatever. And then you'd have to click one of them. And then at some point, they began bringing the content forward. And generally, it was none of their content. It was other people's content. And they brought that forward in snippets. And so you can search for a lot of things like how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And instead of options, you actually get answers. And that's the difference here is search used to be options. So you search for something, question information, whatever, referential, and you get, hey, here are 10 links that might be relevant. But 
slowly Google's been segueing from options to answers. And the snippets were the first example of that. And the snippets, by the way, were AI delivered. That was AI. The neural network that is Google search and delivery is AI driven. But now it's going to get interactive because what's going to happen is we're going to move from snippets to answers with the ability to converse. So now you say how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and the AI gives you the options, but then allows for follow-up based off of, well, you know, do you like crunchy peanut butter or smooth peanut butter? Or maybe you have a peanut allergy and you're looking for peanut alternatives. Or, you know, I happen to know because I know about you that organic is really important and here's the way to do it. This is the type of bread, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it becomes highly iterative. And what's interesting about that is I think it's going to increase the amount of interaction that happens with the search engine dramatically and decrease the amount of traffic leaving the search engine and going to the content creators, which if you think about that on a long enough timeline, decentivizes the creation of high quality content. Because if I'm a culinary website and I'm teaching people how to make PB&Js, and it used to be that if somebody asks, how do I make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? If I rank number one for that, that's my highest performing keyword. I get them onto my site. I sell them a PB&J course. Well, if Google's taking that content, amalgamizing it with other PB&J content, delivering their own AI-delivered version, and it never comes to my site, I'm going to stop creating that content. Now, that content already exists at sunk cost. But think about when I invent a new sandwich in the future, am I going to make that available to the AI? And so it puts us in this position where, as a society, we're headed towards something akin to forced obsolescence in the lexicon of our publicly available open source knowledge. But that's a long timeline, right? In the meantime, Google's going to be delivering the answers, but it's going to be delivering it in a conversational fashion. So one search becomes 15 volleys in the conversation. How do I X? Oh, well, you do A, B, and C and less D. Well, D is actually not relevant because of Y. Oh, awesome. So one, two, three, four. And now I'm having a conversation with this engine. And the reason the conversational paradigm is so important is because it changes the way information is delivered. It's highly customized, highly contextual, but it also, for us as marketers, it changes the way the ads are delivered. Because we used to be able to deliver a big block of ads right out of the gate. Because you search for something, and then Google says, great, here are all the results. And by the way, the top four are ads. Or if it's e-com, that whole carousel slider, you know, you could get 10, 12, 15 ads in there, depending on the size of your screen. Now, when you search for something, the ads are going to be, I don't want to say hidden, because Google does a really good job at making it clear that something is an ad, but embedded in context, aligned with the user experience. And my very strong expectation is instead of big buckets of ads, you're going to get one, just like with the results. Instead of getting options, you get an answer with the ads. Instead of getting options, you get the one that's the most relevant to you, which means for advertisers, we need to have, because the question then is, how do you determine relevance? You need to have the most robust content in the history of content on your product or service in order for Google to determine that you're relevant. I threw a lot out there, Ralph. I'm so sorry. I think it's helpful for people to understand what it even looks like. And I know that there's been some demos on this and understanding it. And obviously, we've got a YouTube channel here now of how we can actually show this in a more visual way, is that I understand what you're saying, and I've seen it in action. The question is, is people are like, well, what does this mean for me if this is the new world? For those informational types of searches or even transactional types of searches, then become an interaction with 
a chatbot as opposed to me clicking lots of blue links to find the best solution to my problem. This fundamentally changes how we all have to think as marketers, as content marketers, as advertisers. And I think that's the big, big shift. And we're just talking about one tiny little aspect of AI just in general, but probably one that's most relevant to listeners of the show here. What does it actually look like and how will that change things? I can create content around keyword phrases, long tail keywords, and get traffic from that. That's been a great way as a content marketer to be able to, this show is a perfect example of that. We show up in the search results, people end up coming to the show, they listen to the show, and then maybe they listen to a number of different shows, or maybe they go and consume different types of content, and then they go out and fill out an application. That is the 100-point model or the 500-point paradigm model that Google talks about all the time as far as how many interactions you actually need to take an action. But how does that change in this AI world? If nobody is clicking to go to a website anymore, they're just getting it all within the interaction with the search engine. I'm going to show you. What's odd is Microsoft did this before Google. So what I'm doing right now, if you're listening and not watching, and by the way, you can watch on the Perpetual Traffic YouTube channel. I just pulled up Bing which I'm ashamed to say, I feel dirty, Ralph. I'm taking a shower later. But I pulled up Bing because Bing Chat is powered by ChatGPT and it's phenomenal. Inside of Bing, I did a search for how do I build a tiny house? And when I do this search, the entire top pack looks to be, I mean, how do we have here? One, two, three, four, five. There's like almost 15 ads for tiny house plans or actual $110,000 for a real tiny house. And then as you scroll down, because it's searched, so I have like 15 options in the ads. And then I've got a bunch of options in the organic. And then within the organic, I've got site link options. And then I've got related search options. And then I've got video options, 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 right? And this is the way that we're used to searching and primed to search and taught to search options. That's the paradigm that marketers have assumed is, oh, how do I become the best option? Well, here's the change. I move over from search to chat, which by the way, Bing gives you the option. It's one or the other. Google is forcing the generative AI results in line with the search results and it's assuming the highest value real estate. So with Bing, you can kind of pick. With Google, you don't even have the ability to pick. But I'm going to go over to Bing's chat so you can see the way that it works. And then if I ask the Bing chat, which again is powered by ChatGPT, how do I build a tiny house? It gives me really quick and dirty options. Building a tiny house can be a fun and rewarding project. And then it sort of gives me like the overview. Now, what I love about Bing, and I think this is so integrous, and I honestly didn't expect this to happen, is they have citations. They have citations for the content that they stole effectively. WikiHow.com, Homesteading.com, TheTinyHouse.net, a couple more. So you can see the content that has been borrowed from and inspired the AI. I don't know how they're going to be able to keep this up long-term. You know, they have five citations here. That's easy. What if you have 500? It becomes an almost impossibility. But what Bing has done that I think is really intelligent is when I hover over the citations, in some instances, when I do this search, they have an ad above the organic result. And that's the way that they're currently delivering ads. But you'll notice that it's only one and I haven't even triggered an ad yet. Instead, Bing has asked me to further clarify. So I asked Bing, how do I build a tiny house? It gives me kind of a BS answer. So I'm going to dive deeper and I'm going to say, what are the specific steps to preparing a lot for building a tiny house? And then now it's generating the answer. In so generating, I'm going to start to drill down, but this is the point. This is the paradigm shift. We're no longer talking options. 
We're talking conversation. And the conversation is happening 100% in app. And as the advertiser, you don't need to be the most relevant option. You need to be the most relevant answer for specific conversations taking place around your product or service. So now Bing gives me a six-step answer. Check the zoning laws. Find out if you need any permits. Clear the land. Level the ground. Install foundation. Connect utilities. This is really good. So all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, check the zoning laws. Really cool. How do I check zoning laws for tiny houses in Scottsdale, Arizona? And so on and so forth. And now, if I'm a lawyer that deals with nothing but zoning, and I'm in Arizona, instantly, and you'll notice it it took me about three iterations to get there, which is, I think, going to be about the rule. Your first question is broad. Your second question is a little more specific. Your third question gets to the root of the issue. And that's when we potentially should start seeing the really commercial content. And Bing's still not triggering me an ad. I wish they would because I want you to see what the ads look like. But regardless, this is the game of tennis that we're playing with this machine while stealing other people's content. And I use that word intentionally, by the way, because that's what I feel like it is. We all created content ostensibly to be served. These search engines are taking our content and delivering them to the users themselves. I don't understand how technically speaking that isn't just plagiarism or copyright infringement. You know what I mean? It's like, what if I took the book that you wrote and I handed it to somebody anytime they asked me a question about whatever it is that you wrote the book on, but that's what they've been allowed to do. And so from an organic traffic perspective, this is going to be really hard to contend with. From a paid ad perspective, it's, I think, going to improve our ability to deliver paid results to specific users in the absolute perfect inflection point when they're ready to buy the single most important thing that we're selling that's relevant to their search. So, I mean, it's going to be effectively a miracle of marketing because I know exactly what you looked for, how you got there, what the context was around that conversation. And now I can go give you, oh, this is the advertiser that you need to see. And you're more likely to convert with this one than any Mm -hmm. other. And as the advertiser in that particular case, I noticed in the first search, there were some ads, but in the second and third searches, all of a sudden there were no ads embedded inside the citations or did i not see that accurately yeah well and that's google said that and bing has said that too now i've been playing with the bing chat a lot and i've seen ads popping up in bing here and there they're very sparse google's almost famous for this google doesn't monetize properties forever think about how long it took for them to put ads in gmail Dude, I remember using Gmail and thinking this is so powerful, so elegant, so much better than all Microsoft products have ever been produced, and it's free? That's insane. Like, how could it possibly be free? And then, I don't know if it was years later, all of a sudden I started seeing ads inside of my Gmail. Google's going to roll out the product, capture users, embrace adoption, get us all to trust it, and they have all the time in the world before they need to monetize the traffic. Now, they're also going to be cannibalizing their most important, most valuable form of traffic. So I think they'll be a little bit more incentivized to roll out ads in this particular context. But I think it's going to be slow and steady. I think they don't know how they're going to, and they've said this, if you read Google's documentation, they have a blog out on, it's called the keyword, which is Google's blog. They have a blog that talks about ad placement inside of generative AI. And and it's a really well-written blog that basically says, we don't know, but we're going to figure it out. So it's a hard place for them to be too, because it's a complete and total change of paradigm. But I'm really excited about it, man, because from an advertiser's perspective, it incentivizes and enables all best practices and all the noise that you and I have to fight with right now, all the crappy advertisers, the crappy content and crappy ads that bid the cost per click up beyond what's uh, achievable or necessary, they're going to have a real hard time here. 
because they're just not going to be relevant. A contextual relevance at this level of specificity can only exist with true thought leadership, true proficiency. And so if you're not a zoning lawyer in Scottsdale, you're going to have a hard time getting in front of this particular conversation. And you know, that zoning lawyer in Scottsdale at the moment when he has to bid on search results, he's bidding against LegalZoom and he's bidding against the lawyer that's like, oh, I'm just going to go after everybody. And he's bidding against the law school who doesn't know how to properly use negative keywords. Generative AI changes all that. It makes it hyper, hyper, hyper relevant. Now, it also might make that search very expensive. So there's a commoditization discussion here. My expectation would be just like with Performance Max, just like with Smart Shopping, the traffic ends up being insanely cheap because Google's just like a drug dealer and your first hit is always free. And then as they get us all acclimated to using it, then they start to lift their ad rank threshold is what they call it. And that's the minimum amount of money that you pay for traffic. But it's no longer an auction really in the traditional sense because there's not multiple people being shown. It's just one result. And I think the only exception to that is going to be in the case of shopping. Like if you're shopping for the perfect bicycle for your six-year-old son, then the ad results might kind of be like the carousels that you see in shopping, but still very, 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 very specific and contextually appropriate. I've also seen models where you have the interactivity and the answers, in in essence, the elongation of snippets, but also blocks of ads on top, which might be more sort of transitional type of searches as opposed to, well, maybe in your case, like what's the best bicycle for me to buy for my six-year-old son? So that is an informational search from my perspective. But in that model, it would make sense to have the blocks of ads just on top with the AI-generated chat below it. Have you seen that model? That's the way that Google's generative AI works right now. And I've actually got a video demo that they put out that I'm going to try to share my screen on. My opinion, and by the way, I'm an idiot who knows nothing and I have no insider information. So maybe be careful with what I say. But, you know, I've been doing this long enough, I think, to be able to make some educated guesses. Google's real estate in this context is limited and getting smaller. And you saw this with search. Search used to have ads all the way across the top, ads all the way along the right-hand column. And because everything has to be optimized for a mobile experience, I think it's actually dangerous for them to prioritize ads over the AI result. I think that what would end up happening is as soon as Google's really integrated their AI fully into the search experience, I think that the ads have to become in line, in context. Because otherwise, it's two entirely separate experiences. And what Google's done better than maybe anybody but Apple is continuity of experience. Gmail's ads look like emails. Google's search ads look like search results. But then all of a sudden, we'd have AI ads that don't look like an AI conversation. And I think that lack of continuity flies against the way that Google has structured the entire rest of their ecosystem. So at the moment, you see kind of this and, and I can't find the screenshot I'm looking for, Ralph, which frustrates me a little bit. Uh, let me just share my screen so you can see Google's generative AI. I think it's far more elegant than Bing's. Google put out this video that shows more or less the way that the generative AI functions. And you get the Google search results that you're used yes. to. This is the one that I saw. Yep. Yep. This is it. Yep. So there's the normal search results, but then all of a sudden there's this expansion that takes place and Google delivers the generative AI. They're calling it SGE, search generative experience. And this is actually a really good example. What planet is most similar to Earth? 
And now all of a sudden it's talking about a collection of planets depending on the level of analysis that you want to take, right? Are we talking size or shape or heat or whatever? And then there's the volley back and forth. And the volley is the most important part because if you compare AI results to search results after the first search, you really don't see a difference. But when you realize people are being trained to now converse with this mechanism, because the way that search used to work is I search for something, I've got my links, and now I need to go dive into the links. And so it's a depth experience. And what I do and what I think a lot of people do is I'll open the top 10 links. I right click, open a new tab, the top 10 links, and then I go check all of them. So I'm checking for depth. What Google is about to do is change it. So instead of depth, it's going breadth. And instead of me checking the links, I'm now conversing with the machine. And it's not going to happen right away, but it's going to happen very, very naturally because it's like, okay, I asked you what planet is most similar to Earth, but I didn't really get the answer I wanted because I wanted to be more specific about the habitable zones. And now I'm going to dive deeper and then I'm going to dive deeper and then I'm going to dive deeper. And then all of a sudden I'm going to get ads for Nat Geo Kids magazines because you realize like, oh, you're doing a school project for your son. You have an eight-year-old boy. You should be subscribing to this magazine or this website. Again, I think the experience with Google will always maintain continuity with the functionality. Here's another really good example of where I would see ads being delivered. Plants for a dark room, for a dark dorm room. And Google says, here's some plants that can grow in low light. And it gives us five plants. One of these could end up being an ad. That's in line with the experience that we're currently having, but only one. You'd be real hard pressed to see Google delivering a whole slew of ads here. And that one would need to be a hyper, hyper relevant result. It would need to be as relevant as all the organic results just delivered from an advertiser, which means that advertiser needs to have the content available to the AI mechanism that allows the AI mechanism to know, oh, this is a plant that would be really good for a dark dorm room. So it's the inline experience that we need to worry about and cater to. And in so many ways, you don't know what that experience is going to look like because none of us have really spoken to the AI yet. So go start using these tools right now today. And it becomes really obvious how it's going to function. Just think like a media property owner. Where would you put the ads? Where would you put the ads so you don't piss off your users and so you don't break continuity? And Google's really, really, really good at experience design. And so that's going to be the way that they do it. What I've seen is, and maybe it's a separate video, is like on that last search, what are the best plants for low light in a dorm room? One of the plants you click on actually opens up into the next chat. And then it starts showing ads, like where to buy that, your local florist and your local lawn store, that sort of thing. So, I mean, I think the possibilities here are somewhat endless, but I agree with you in that I don't think they're going to jump into this too quickly as far as like what that next stage is and how this monetization is going to happen. They're going to pull us in with highly relevant and useful information that we're looking for and then determine what the best model is and iterate and iterate and iterate over time. Yeah, that's the one that I've seen right there that we were yeah. just talking so about. So what we're looking at right now, if you're listening, is in, the reason I couldn't find it, it's not a video, it's a GIF on this blog. And I'll share a link in our show notes. But in this particular GIF, you're searching for a specialized bike. And what's interesting about it is first the ads show up like a normal search result. But then mm -hmm. the ads get pushed down right. by the generative AI Above experience. The <laughs> right. Below the fold, far below the fold if you're mobile. They get pushed down by the generative AI experience, and then you're allowed to dig into specific bikes. And then to the point that you're making, Ralph, that's probably when the ad experience starts to take place. But think about that. The ad experience starts to take place 
after you're two, three, four layers of specificity in. That means as the advertiser, you have to be able to provide that context and specificity. And really the take home message here is your products and your services must be content rich. You have to define features. You have to define unique selling propositions. And then think about features. People don't get creative enough with their features. If you're selling plants, would it have occurred to you to talk about how well this plant would perform in a dorm room? Maybe you'd have gotten to low light, maybe. But dorms are a lot different than low light. You have to put up with all the weed in the air and the fact that it's going to get jostled if it's on the side of the bed. And, you know, they're probably feeding the damn mm-hmm. thing with Coca-Cola. Occasional beer dropped in it. Yeah, exactly right. Some beer. Yep. So, you know, and I'm being a little flippant and a little funny, but the more content you can provide, the more you're arming these neural networks that are combing the web in order to determine relevance with the information that would be necessary to provide your product or service. Now, can they use third-party content to qualify your product. For instance, you sell blue light blocking glasses. Google can learn about blue light blocking glasses anyway. Yeah, maybe. But my expectation would be that they're going to validate the features and benefits on a per product and per service basis by ensuring that your products and services actually host those locally. So I wouldn't rely on that. So we're talking about AI here and how it's affecting primarily the Google advertising model. What does it mean really for you as a content marketer and for you as somebody who's trying to get more traffic to your site, what the fundamental shift is? We're going to get to that right after this quick break. Do you want to acquire more customers and enhance their lifetime value? Well, Isn't that the purpose of online marketing is to acquire brand new customers from cold traffic, or as we say, crack the code on cold traffic? Well, that's exactly what we do at Tier 11. And we do it through a system called Customer Acquisition Amplification. What's Customer Acquisition Amplification, or CAMP for short? Well, it's a revolutionary approach to digital marketing that analyzes and identifies opportunities in your company's growth throughout your entire customer acquisition path. How we do it? Well, we sniff out the friction, and we identify the gaps in your messaging, and then we find every missed opportunity to take your prospects on the ideal journey from first touch to high value conversion. And that's what camp is all about. So if you are a business owner or you're a CMO or a director of marketing looking to take your business to the next level and finally acquire brand new customers and enhance their lifetime value so you can achieve your vision as an organization, then contact us at tier11.com. Click the big pink button in the upper right-hand corner and fill out the application and talk to our team to how we can help you scale and grow using customer acquisition amplification. All right, welcome back to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. We are talking about the future of AI and how it's going to affect you as a marketer, especially with regard to Google ads. But Kasim, it seems to me that we won't really know what the monetization model of this is until it appears. And then when it actually does appear, then it's going to change and it's going to iterate and it's going to get better and better and better, probably, we think, for the user experience, hopefully. Otherwise, Google will become irrelevant, right? And they'll lose all market share over to Bing, which is probably happening for a lot of the smart marketers that are sort of on the leading edge right now for AI. But like, how does this change how you market today? And the content you create today, even though we are paid traffic guys at the end of the day, we don't operate content marketing companies, but how we market our companies is through content marketing. Like I use HubSpot. Like we use all of that inbound strategy, even for our outbound BDR stuff. 
And we're trying to create highly relevant, very specific, helpful, informative, useful information, very detailed. Is that just it? Is that the key to sort of laying the foundation for what we think is coming and that sets you up for success? Or is it something more than that? It's that and. So what I'll tell you is, and I love that you already marked on this, Ralph, think about the epic layers of hypocrisy. You and I are just soaking in tubs of hypocrisy because we're technically paid ad guys. And yet, dude, I'd say 90% of my time and marketing energy goes towards organic content creation. I write a Twitter thread every day. I do an Instagram reel every day. I do a YouTube video every day. I'm doing LinkedIn posts, fake posts, blogs, perpetual traffic episodes. My marketing is content geared because this is what works. This is the way. And when I pay, I'm not paying to get you to come hire Solutions 8. I'm paying for you to look at my content. And that's an interesting paradigm shift. You have to think to yourself like, man, is my content good enough that I'd pay for somebody to come see it? And that's where we are. So That's our dirty little secret on this show, by the way. Not to interrupt, but I guess I just did. That is the dirty little secret that we have been talking about for some time. Yes, advertising. Advertising might get that last mile. You need your brand search. You need all these other things. But the stuff that you and I are paying, even paying money on, and I know you're paying a lot of money for a lot of your paid ads, is pure content. Top, top, pre-engagement funnel stuff. I got a massive brand the other day, a massive brand that everybody's heard of. I wish I could give them away because I'm just so happy. They're YouTube fans. They've been watching my YouTube videos for about a year and a half. And the director of marketing finally converted. And that's one example of many so it, here's what's really funny too. There's that funny meme that talks about climate change. And it's one guy talking to the other. And I forget exactly how it goes, but it's like, what if we clean the earth and do all of this work and then find out that global warming wasn't a problem and we've done all this good work for nothing? Regardless of how you feel about that, I'm not trying to be politically charged, but that's how I feel about content. You can't go wrong creating content. So it's like, well, Kostum, what if I create all this amazing content for my business and then it doesn't help the generative AI experience? In my mind, I'm like, no matter what, this is going to serve you in some way and in many ways. There's so many areas where this comes up in my business. My sales guy is sharing links and people stumbling across it and existing customers having an easier way to refer us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So creating really deep, really robust content is number one. Number two, and maybe the more tactical, more specific step to take, start using the AI-driven tools inside the advertising platforms now. And this, by the way, I need to take a dose of my own medicine because Google comes to me and says, you know, oh, final URL expansion, we'll choose the URLs for you. And dynamic ad creation, we'll create the ads for you. We'll choose the products for you. And I'm always like, nope, I know how to do this better than you do. And that, by the way, might be true in the short term. So my campaigns perform a little bit better because I can maintain manual control. However, if you don't test them at all, you don't know how they work. And these AI-driven tools already exist inside of Google, already exist inside of Facebook. And at a minimum, you need to start allowing them to play with your products, your services, your content, your site, your media. So A, you can learn it and B, even more interesting, it can learn you because it's a neural network and that's exactly what it's doing. And whoever Google learns first and better, it's going to deliver more. Facebook too. They're going to learn, oh, this is how I sell Ralph's stuff. Cool. So you're paying a machine to learn. Opt in to the AI-driven marketing tools. And you don't need to go all in. It doesn't have to be 100% of your budget. And you don't need to be first. I love that saying, Ralph. We learned it on this podcast. It's pioneers get slaughtered, settlers prosper. 
But you need to keep up with traffic, basically. Don't be so far behind the crowd that when everything shifts, you're nowhere to be seen. Invest in high-quality content. Use the AI tools for ad delivery. And then let's all sit back and see what happens because, like you said earlier, nobody knows. I think the listeners, now viewers of the show, are wondering, is it written content? Is it video content? How do I stay relevant with all this? You and I are very video heavy right now, but is AI going to favor written content? In a lot of ways, like a lot of the things that we've seen so far through some of the models and through some of the initial betas of how search will work, seems like a lot of it is written. When there is a video element to it, is it just do it all and continue on that path? Or is it focus on one or the other or top level, broad level keyword stuff? Let me just give you an example, like five ways in which your PPC ad spend is being wasted right now is a phrase that we are trying to rank for. And we created a podcast for it, a blog post. We created multiple videos, everything that supports it, because we know that our ideal customer is searching for that phrase. But PPC marketing isn't something that I'm even trying to rank for or trying to get any traffic for. And I feel like the AI models, I'm never going to get there anyway. So why even try? I want to go into the really, really deep things that my ICP is ultimately looking for and that we can help them, guide them to make the right decision, which then leads to a transactional search or maybe a form fill at a later date. That's how I think about it. My focus is not super high level, not even mid-level. It's more granular and then almost PLG focused, product-led growth focused if they're looking for specific things about the product or service. So it's way, way, way at the bottom. Is that the right way of thinking about it? Is that how you think Dude, about I it? I think you just nailed it. I wouldn't say all the way at the bottom, but let's use my mini house example. If you're creating content right now and you're an attorney who does zoning, Right now, you're doing you know, how to rezone, why it's important to rezone, steps to rezone. Here's the thing. All that takes place in the chat, at the top of the chat, before we even get to you. You're irrelevant for that crap. What the attorney should be doing is specific steps to rezone your property for a tiny house in Scottsdale, Arizona. And to further answer your question, the attorney shoots a video, long form video, pulls the transcript from that video that becomes a blog, pulls the snippets from that transcript that becomes a LinkedIn post, a Facebook post, and Twitter thread, slices up the video to become reels and TikToks and shorts and whatever. And that one video, as long as this is systemized in about an hour's worth of EA's work, became everything. The whole like, oh, I'm overwhelmed by content creation and do I have to do everything? There's no such thing as everything anymore. Shoot one video, write one blog, do one, whatever it is your comfort zone aligns with, and then that one thing can become everything with the right systems. That video gets turned into a podcast episode too. And then it gets you know sliced and diced. And you don't have to do all that work. Don't allow yourself to use that as an excuse. Create one solid piece of pillar content in whatever medium you're most comfortable in. And then that piece of content can be repurposed into every other type of content by a very cost-effective resource that's going to become more cost-effective because AI can do all of this or most of it. So it just needs a little bit of shepherding. So when I said an hour, that was actually pre-AI. I bet you it turns into like 15 minutes once all the AI mechanisms have really been integrated into your system. And what that does is it Once it's gives, really dialed in. Yeah, for sure. Yes. But that attorney that made that content just won in this particular search that we're talking about. So you've nailed it on a couple of levels. Dive deeper 
in the topics that you're creating content about. You know, the five reasons not to X, that's all gone, man. None of us are getting any of that traffic. That's the AI's traffic. That's the chat. But once you get really specific, which by the way, is where you and I make our money and not just you and me, it's you, me and everybody else. Nobody pays for generalities. Nobody pays for a mechanic to tell them that their car is a car. They pay for an oil change. And so the AI is going to take care of the broader conversation. And then it's going to get you down to, oh man, for a late model vehicle like that and those issues, you're probably going to want to make sure that you go to a mechanic with this certification. Here's who you should be going to. Mm -hmm. Probably, you know, his ad, if he's smart enough, (laughs) will show up in that part of the actual generative AI search. I don't think it fundamentally changes a whole lot in my mind as far as how I think about it, but it still comes back to just being highly relevant and useful. But I think it's now it's a little bit more intentional because we don't know where all this is going to go. But I think the days of just producing massive amounts of just broad keyword search content and getting results from that. I think a lot of people, a lot of big businesses that rely on that, maybe just for traffic, that is going to be a very large change that comes because that will no longer become traffic. And we're already starting to see informational searches for sites that are in essence, Q&A sites like data aggregators. You're seeing this in the software niche and the dev niche. Traffic amounts dropping off because a lot of the answers that are being generated in those forums or Q&A websites are now being answered by ChatGPT or through other searches that are starting to invade the market. So I think at very, very top level, if you're reliant upon that for your content marketing or for a lot of your traffic to your site, that will fundamentally shift, I think, over time with this model. And I think that is a big, big change. I could not agree with you more. So we'll be talking more and more about this, obviously, in future shows. There's so much we can get into here. And obviously, we'll leave all the links in the show notes for this particular episode, as well as we will make sure this is on YouTube because a couple of your screen captures here, I think, are super important for people to take a look at. And this is all cutting edge stuff, just trying to set you up for the future of what AI looks like as a marketer. And I don't know as if we have it fully finished here yet, but we will continue to drill down and uh, give you the latest cutting edge information as we possibly can here on Perpetual Traffic. So make sure that you go and subscribe and leave a rating wherever you're listening. Of course, let us know what we can do better over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Follow me over on LinkedIn. That's Ralph Burns and at Qasem Aslam on Twitter. And now you're getting more active over on your Instagram too. So check out Qasem on Instagram. 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 Go back and listen to previous episodes. And like I said, check out our Perpetual Traffic YouTube channel. Make sure you look for the one with Qasem and mine smiling faces, smiling right back at you. But we'll leave links in the show notes there over at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Qasem Aslam, peace. Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic 